Amen. Bob Jones Sr. said, uh, it's never right to do wrong. That's profound, isn't it? It's never right to do wrong. We live in a society where situational ethics kind of dictate what we do. And uh, the end does not justify the means to God. God's in charge of the end. What he's interested in is whether or not his people will do right. And uh, so that's like, like so many things. It's profoundly simple. Amen. Take your Bible this last message and, and go to Genesis chapter 18. We'll start there. We'll finish the other end of the Bible. But uh, Genesis 18, and, and let's, let's uh, let me see, let's start with verse 20. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. And if not, I will know. I will know. Amen. Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah were ungodly places. Amen. Very grievous sin, the Lord says. Uh, you know, everybody's interested in tracking down their history and their heritage and all that stuff, and that's fine. Uh, it, I, it occurred to me that if the LGB alphabet crowd I wanted to track their heritage, their history. They take it right back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. And so Abraham in the passage is interceding for Sodom because God has heard the cry of it. It ain't the wicked sinners that are crying to God. It's the victims. And uh, he's a righteous God and a fair God. And uh, so he's going down to see if it's uh, as bad as they say. And, and Abraham gets it. He knows it is. So he's, he's, he's interceding for Sodom, not because of any, any, just for simple reason that his nephew lives there. Lot moved there. Lot, Abraham's nephew, Got out of fellowship with, now listen to me, got, after, got out of fellowship with the most spiritual influence in his life. Now it's Uncle Abraham. And, and, and he should have been an enemy of Sodom, not a resident. But instead, he went there, he chose to go there, and he prospered there. And he justified going against everything he knew, everything he'd been taught for this right here, for money. And in the end, he paid a big price for his decisions. And I got to tell you, 
I can think of more than a few Christians that have done the same thing. They knew to do right, and they made some bad decisions based on opportunity and money, and sadly, some of them have paid a big price. And some of them are paying the price now. Now, there's still hope, but they better get back to God. Amen. Uncle Abraham has gone out on a limb for uh, a lot, several times. If you know the history of these passages in, in, uh, in Genesis, he'd been taken captive. And, and, and Abraham, I mean, to say he went out on a limb is an understatement. He put it on the line. And, uh, and he said, did a lot appreciate it. And I would say probably, definitely. He didn't like being a captive. He got rescued. He probably appreciated it at the time very much. Oh, I can't believe I was so stupid. I should have listened. And uh, I'm not going to do it again, but that book says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And time after time, he turned around and went right back to Sodom. And people that God has been so good to are often just like that. They'll appreciate his mercy and his grace, his help, even the rescue attempts for a while. But if they don't get in, all the way in, they end up going back to friends and places or activities the very things that got him in trouble. Amen. Evie told me this 20 years ago. No, 10 probably. Dad, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. That is, that's insane. The same thing over and over is going to produce the same results every time, regardless of uh, intention. Amen. So, go to 2 Peter chapter 2. Hold your place there in Genesis 18, but there's a verse here that goes with what I'm saying right now. In 2 Peter chapter 2, and verse, I don't want to tell you before I get there. Not too long before I get there. It's in there. I promise it was in there when I... 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20, and it says this, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Oh, it is, it is embarrassing how easy it is to get entangled again after... Man, we get pulled out of the muck and mire of a sinful life. Jesus Christ saves us. We get a, a, a knowledge of that. Holy Spirit moves in, and that thinking flesh, you don't keep your guard up, and you'll end up right back in the muck and the mire. It happens too often. People get entangled again. It said the latter end is worse than the beginning. Listen, I got saved 37 years old. I can't imagine... I couldn't, I, I don't think even God would have allowed it, but I couldn't imagine doing some of the things I did 
with the Holy Spirit inside. I don't even think you could grieve him that much. I think if I'd have been saved as a teenager, uh, the route I chose, God would have killed me and he would have been justified to do it. But it amazes me to this day, the testimony. I mean, I preach in prisons and, and have uh, people come up to me and say they were saved young or they're a pastor's son or daughter. And I really can't relate to that. I don't, understand, I don't know what it'd be like to get in some of the sin that Christians do get into with the Holy Spirit inside. Uh, to me, that would mean the latter end is worse than the beginning. Amen. I'd be afraid to go back because then I'd have to not only deal with what I, the consequences of my choices like I did before, but I know better now. Amen. Verse 22, well, it says, let's read verse 21, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. That's quite a statement. But it says in verse 22, but it has happened to them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. What, what a verse. Dogs and sows. I bet you Joel Osteen ain't never read that verse from his pulpit. Uh, you know what social media would do to you if you put that out? If you tweeted that to somebody, <laughs> called them a dog or a sow, they'd go crazy. They'd melt down. God doesn't have any problem telling you the truth. Amen. I see that. I get that. So back to Genesis 18, and we've got Abraham dealing with, with God, interceding for, uh, for Sodom, and, and, and bargaining because he knows that Lot lives there and his family. And it says in verse 24, Genesis 18, uh, verse 24, Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and, and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? Now he's bargaining with God. Amen. And uh, that goes on for a while. That goes on through verse 31, and it went from 50 to, to 45 to 40 to 30 to 20 to 10. <laughs> he should have went down lower. Because ten didn't do it. And he destroyed them cities because there wasn't ten righteous in there. Which is a pretty sad commentary on Lot. Because he had sons-in-laws, which mean he had, means he had daughters that were married besides the two that he drug out with him. Pretty bad testimony, Lot. Boy, that's the way it is around the land today. I talk to people, and they're saved, and they got sideways with something, and they decided they were going to do what they wanted to do, and they're saved, and they know they're saved, and their kids aren't in church, and their kids haven't been raised right, taught right, and those kids will bear the consequences. Sad to me. I don't get it. In verse 22, I'm sorry, 32 of Genesis 18, Abraham said this, and he said, oh, 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 Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure 10 
shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. They got down to 10, like I said. Verse 25 said this. Uh, Abraham said that, That'd be far for me to do this after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. Uh, that'd be far from me. And then he ends with this, and this is what I'm going for this whole time. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? That's what we're talking about tonight. It's what she's singing about tonight, doing right. Abraham, uh, Abraham was, you know, he was interceding for his nephew. His nephew wasn't doing right. He knew better. Thank God for praying mothers and fathers. Thank God for youth pastors and pastors. Thank God for people that will intercede. But at the end of the day, the answer to Abraham's question is, yes, the God of this earth shall indeed do right every single time. And if God never does wrong, and he doesn't, and if we're supposed to pursue holiness and godliness, and we are, then we shouldn't do wrong either. We should do right. Amen. So that's the message tonight. That doesn't mean I'm done. That means that's what we're talking about. Father, again, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thankful, God, for a good week, God, a good, uh, a good attendance, Lord, a good focus on, on spiritual things. And, Father, I pray for the kids this week at camp and trust they got up there safely. Didn't hear if they're there or not yet, but I pray for that. I pray for the... A word of God that's gone forth this week, God, that it would accomplish your purpose in the hearts of your people. Uh, Lord, I don't doubt there were some people in here in the course of this week that are not saved. Pray that the word of God would, uh, would uh, be the seed that needs to be sown. Pray that perhaps it was watered. Pray that God, we'd hear of some of them coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in the future. We trust you on that. Father, I love you tonight. Help me to say something that'll mean something. Be a blessing to your folks and, and put a smile on your face. You sure have been good to my wife and I this week. We thank you for it. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, so John chapter 1 and verse 12. You don't have to turn there. It, but it says this, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And when you got saved, he gave you some power. He gave you some power you didn't have before. And I'm going to tell you what you need power for, and you've got the power for if you say, you've got the power to do right. You can do right. Take your Bible, go to 2 Peter now, and, and go to uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, in verse number 1, it says this, Simon Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What I want to point out before we move on is Peter establishes his credibility in the salutation of this epistle by, by saying, Simon Peter, uh, uh, a servant and an apostle. 
And the reason I say that is in chapter 1, the first epistle, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, the salutation goes like this. He doesn't use his common name, Simon. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He declares his his authority to speak, and he had authority to speak. He is an apostle. Amen, for sure. But the thing that jumped off the page at me a couple years later, by the time he wrote the second epistle, he's, uh, he's a little more humble. He begins it with Simon Peter, a servant. And I just say this. That book says before, honor is humility, and humility is evidence of spiritual maturity. And when you realize it isn't all about you, you're making progress. Amen. Uh, verse, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, uh, if you're confused, don't worry, I confuse myself too. It's unfair like that. 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse 2, it says this, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Uh, uh, grace and peace, they, that sounds like a good thing to have multiplied toward you. And this, this, it's not a secret formula, but the way you get it is through the knowledge of God. Uh, Matthew 11 and 29, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. The more you learn about Jesus Christ, the more grace and the more peace you'll have. Verse 3, According to the... And according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Look, it says it again. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Amen. <laughs> knowledge of him doesn't come in a booklet at a Christian bookstore. It, you don't get knowledge of him from a YouTube video. Knowledge of him, and I'm not even saying there aren't supplements and there aren't things out there that are a blessing. Beloved, knowledge of him comes from the Bible. That's not deep. Brother Gipp said it years ago. People read all these books said, don't read a book about a book that you're not reading. You read the Bible, and then there's, there is good helps to pursue and, uh, but that's not in lieu of studying to show thyself approved unto God. Amen. So the knowledge of God is mentioned, and I just want to take this moment to thank God for putting me in a church. Now, I, I did not make some uh, spiritual journey like perhaps some of you did. Uh, I was in jail for drugs and weapons and, and, and other things and and uh, I got saved in jail, and I'm no more saved now than I was that morning when I knew nothing except I was a hell-deserving sinner. But three weeks after I got saved, I made bond, $95,000 cash bond. My friends paid it. 
if they'd had any clue that I wasn't going back to the clubhouse, that I was going to start going to a church house, they wouldn't have paid. God took me from a jail cell and put me in a little church on the backside of Dayton, Ohio, who taught me that the King James Bible is the inspired, inerrant Word of God. I didn't have to get rid of my old Bible to get a King James. I didn't have an old Bible. I didn't have anything. I came in, I came in, I met 37 veteran, not a kid by any means, but as a brand new babe in Christ. And I came in and I just soaked it up. And whatever they said, I believed it. And they said, this is the word of God. I went, okay. And they said, you can't lose your salvation. And I said, okay. And let me say something. When they, when they make statements like this, they showed you the scripture. And I went, okay. I didn't fight it. I didn't kick and scream and say, well, Grandma said. I just, uh, I was a long way from Grandma and a long way from the way I was raised as a kid. And I just said, okay, it's uh, Ray Charles could see that I've made a lot of bad decisions and I'm here to learn how to what? Do right. Amen. So I thank God that he put me in a church like that. Thank God he put me in a church that taught me that the word of God is true. In fact, that the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction in righteousness, for correction, I'm sorry, for righteous, for instruction in righteousness. I'll get it, I'll get it. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Amen. Listen, I'm a rightly divider. I mean, I believe that's as clear as a bell. But I'm glad God put me in a church that showed me too that even the scripture says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It may not all be to me doctrinally, but it's all profitable. Amen. And I thank God for the Bible. And uh, you're a member here at Emmanuel Baptist Bible Church. You ought to thank God for church that believes that way and teaches that way and preaches that way. And you ought to be thankful for it. And I'm not here to say your church is the best church in the world. It's very, it was way up there. There's others. We're in a minority. I got news for you. And I say that, say this. You, you ought to treasure what you have because take it from somebody that's been coast to coast more times than I can count. Uh, Churches like this that believe that book and teach that book straight are not on every corner. That's an understatement. Amen. They're far and few between to, be, to, to tell you the truth. I'm trying, I was trying to leave here yesterday to go to Maine, and I couldn't find a place to preach between here and Maine, and it was too far to drive in one day. So you guys got me again. Isn't that a crying shame that there's not more? Because the need's great. Not a crying shame that I'm here still. That's what some of them are thinking. Amen. But uh, thank God for the Bible. All that comes from the knowledge, grace, and peace, and, and the divine power. Uh, uh, we know about it because of the Word of God. Let me say it. This is not a religious book. The Bible, uh, I've got a library with hundreds of religious books. I've had preachers at my house, and I've got a nice library, and, and uh, 
and, uh, and I've had preachers stand there and go, wow, Brother Spurgeon, you've got quite a collection. I went, thank you, thank you. And they said, have you read all these books? And I looked at them and I said, read them? I thought preachers were just supposed to collect them. I don't read them. I'm still reading this one. Amen. But I've got a lot of religious books. But this isn't one of them. The Bible is not a religious book. This is God's book. And uh, Bible. And somebody said it like this, and it's very good. Basic instructions before leaving earth. That's profound, too. And uh, I'll tell you why that's important. Because everybody's leaving. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if I ever decide to leave, oh, you're going to leave. Amen. This whole thing, this existence that we have right now is temporary. Your time on it is temporary. It says in James chapter 4 and verse 14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Amen. Your time on earth is, is temporary. You're leaving. And I'm going to tell you what, the earth's leaving too. Uh, the little exist, literal existence of the planet is temporary. It says in 2 Peter 3 and verse 10, uh, But the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with uh, fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Global warming is scriptural. But it's not caused by your suburban or, or your hairspray ladies. Amen, like the liberals say. Amen. And uh, this is a temporary thing, this time, this parentheses, and eternity called time, and this planet that we're on, that people are more interested in saving it than their own soul. Well, they'll, they'll regret that one day. Amen. And where you go when this thing's over is revealed to you in this book. And there are only two choices. I think we preached on them maturely in the last week. And uh, one of them's heaven. You trust Jesus Christ for the, for the forgiveness of your sin. You go to heaven. And if you don't, you end up in hell. Somebody said, what do you got to do to go to hell? I said, nothing. You're doing fine. Just keep going away. You're gone. Keep trusting anything but the forgiveness that Jesus Christ purchased on the cross of Calvary. You will end up there. Amen. Bible says in uh, John chapter 3, you're condemned already. Amen. Ain't no problem thinking about people like I used to be. But I'm telling you what, the best person in, that comes to your mind, they die without Christ, they're condemned already. Amen, amen. All right. Some people, now those are the only two choices according to the Bible. Some people, now religion, they'll offer you more choices. They, they, some religions teach uh, reincarnation. Amen. That people come back as an animal. Amen. How would you like to come back as a mosquito? Or a cockroach? Amen. <laughs> or a cow. They might not eat cows in India, but they eat them here, boy. Beef. It's what's for dinner. Amen. Right, Brother Thomas? We had some. Hope that wasn't anybody's relative we had there. <laughs> Amen. Verse number uh, three. Uh, let's read it again. We're in 2 Peter chapter 1. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him uh, that hath called us to glory and peace. 
You are given some things when you got saved. I talked about the power to do right, according to John. But you are given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So uh, besides forgiveness of sin, that's a big deal. Besides eternal life, that's a very big deal. Uh, You are given more than that. I mean, it just keeps getting better and better. See what you miss out on if you don't read the Bible? Amen. Uh, I'm here to tell you, if you're saved, you are given everything you need to do right. That's what that means. Verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, that's that book, that by these, uh, uh, let me see, great and present promise that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Listen, I, 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 what goes on in Washington, what goes on in Ukraine, what goes on in New York, what, that stuff don't bother me. I mean, I don't like it, but I'm not freaking out over any of that. I've escaped that thing. That ain't the main thing anymore. And I'm here to tell you, if you're saved, uh, uh, you don't have to be prey to that corruption anymore either. And you might say, well, Brother Virgin, I'm still a sinner. I can't help it sometimes. I know you still have a carnal nature, no doubt about that. But uh, by the promise of God given to you in this book, I'm here to tell you, you have the abilities. You have abilities you didn't have before. You, you have power that you didn't have before. Why? It's because instead of just having a carnal nature, now you have a divine nature. A divine nature. So, you hear, here's what you hear these days a lot. DNA. DNA. Crimes are solved and, hey, fine, I guess. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to tell you what that means. I'm going to try. So if you're a doctor or nurse in here, don't correct me publicly if I say it wrong. I saw that look, Michael. So here's what it is. Deoxyribonucleic acid. Pretty close, isn't it? I got it broke down by syllable. And that's what DNA means, and it's hereditary material. Now, you've got the DNA you were born with, and you can't change it. Ask Michael Jackson. Ask Rachel Dolenzall. You remember who that was? I won't go into it. Amen. Uh, Ask Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, she decided. I don't know what she got so mad when President Trump called her Pocahontas. She kept trying to tell her, but she's Indian. She is white as I am, but she tried to tell people she's Indian. Listen, she had her DNA, and she couldn't change it, neither could Michael Jackson or Rachel Rachel, uh, Dolenzall. Amen. And uh, because of their DNA. But if you're saved in here, you've got new DNA. I call it divine nature abilities. I know. You're impressed. I can tell. I'm impressed. Amen. And because of that, you can do right. Somebody asked me, Brother Spurgeon, have you ever... Have you ever sent your DNA, what is that, like a booger? How, what, how do they do that? Have you ever sent your DNA to uh, Ancestry.com? <laughs> and I thought, you have got to be kidding me. 
If you think the federal government doesn't have access to all that DNA information, you're not paying attention, friend. Amen. For many years, I had to worry if somehow, somewhere, a fingerprint was going to turn up from a crime scene in the 70s. If you think I'm going to give them a DNA sample so that they can match it up with a hair that might have fallen out somewhere, forget it. I'm not doing it. I'm not volunteering no DNA. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But I'm telling you tonight, because of your DNA as a child of God, you have access to all things that pertain unto life and godliness. 2 Peter 1 and verse 5 says this, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and a virtue. You, you get this DNA by faith, for by grace he saved through faith. Uh, add to your faith virtue and a virtue knowledge, and the knowledge of temperance, and the temperance patience, and the patience godliness, and the godliness brotherly kindness, and the brotherly kindness charity. And, and I got news right that, that right there, that list right there, that is a long lifelong endeavor. Yeah, you're not going to, you know, accomplish that in a year or ten. That's a lifelong endeavor, but it's a worthwhile endeavor to add those things. Verse 8, for here's why. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I got news for you. Uh, you can add some of those things, and they not abound in you. Verse 9 says this, But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. That's about the most dangerous thing that can happen to a child of God. James chapter 1, verse 23 says, For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. That's a bad place to be. You forget what manner of man you were, you'll increase, he'll decrease, you'll forget what manner of man it took to redeem you. Amen. That's a bad thing. Conversely, verse 10, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. How's that for an exceeding great and precious promises? Hey, this says Christian life is not a roll of the dice. You can make it if you want. You can finish if you'll avail yourself to what the Word of God tells you. Now, I'll wrap it up with this, and you don't have to turn there. Amos chapter 3 and verse 10 says this, For they know not to do right, saith the Lord, who store up violence and robbery in their palaces. And uh, they may not have known to do right, but you do. And you have the supernatural DNA to enable you to regardless of your past, regardless of your failures, amen, regardless of your mistakes, you can do right. You can get up and get right and do right. You really can. Amen. I came into church th almost 38 years old, 20 years a drunk, almost 20 years a dope addict, 
15 years a professional criminal, and I came in brand new, willing and honest enough to admit to myself that I had blown it. And I had no clue what the future held. I had just got a grasp on the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross for even me so that my future no longer held eternity in a lake of fire. And I figured anybody that do what Jesus Christ did to save a wretch like me deserved the respect of me coming to church and shutting my mouth and opening my ears and learning a little bit more about him. Now, that just made sense to me. And boy, the more I heard, the more I learned to love him, the more I appreciated him, the more victory he gave. And I ain't over it yet. Amen. Abraham asked the Lord, he said, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And of course, the answer is yes, every time. And, and we're not God, but as a child of God, that ought to be our goal. And when we get crossways or with something, and the flesh does win sometimes, but we have access to the throne of grace. It says, Come boldly unto the throne of grace, he may obtain mercy. We need mercy for it, because you blew it. That's what you ask a judge for, and then find grace to help in time of need. And we're tempted, and the Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And the grace to resist every temptation is there for the asking, but you're going to have to ask for it. You're going to have to make access of the throne of grace, and you can as a child of God. So, man, listen, I don't know where you are tonight, what may be bogging you down, what sin may be besetting you, or what weight might keep you from hitting your stride to do something for God, but I'd say take an opportunity, take advantage of this old-fashioned altar, or an opportunity to get somewhere and pray, and get that thing straightened out with God, so you can get up and go on for the glory of God, because that's what He wants. Amen. If you're in here and you're not saved, we're glad you're here. Amen. Regardless of your past, there's victory in Jesus Christ. Don't let sin take you to hell. And it will. But you can get it forgiven. You're not going to get it forgiven by turning over a new leaf or going to a program. You're going to get it forgiven by admitting to God that you are a hell-deserving sinner and asking for forgiveness, believing what he did on the cross was to make forgiveness possible. This isn't religious. This is real deal, buddy. And if you're in here and you don't know where you, where you spend eternity, you, like I've preached in Sunday school, you can know. And what a crying shame it'd be. Listen, I understand people go to go step into eternity Many of them into hell from a dope house or a bar stool. Some of them step into hell right from a church pew because they hear it and don't act on it. Boy, you better act on this. 
you don't have any guarantee you're going to make it home tonight. I got plans for tomorrow. I'm going to leave in the morning. I'm going to drive to New Hampshire, I guess, somewhere. That's my routes all planned. And on my way to a little church in Maine, that's our plan. But the Lord interrupts plans. But there's one plan of mine he's not going to interrupt. And that's taking me to heaven if something happens. Because he promised. And he never he's not like you and me. He never broke a promise. He's not going to break a promise that he makes for you. And if you come to believing, he'll forgive you. And if you don't, you'll force him to put you in hell. Why would you do that? That sounds stupid. Amen. Some of us have made a lot of mistakes. I got a list, man, higher than the Empire State Building. But that ain't on it. I didn't miss this. I'm glad I got in on it. Let's all stand. We're talking about doing right. It's easier to do right if you're saved. Some of you might be trying. People are trying. And it's just a vicious cycle. Do good for a little while, and the flesh says, the devil had talked about being taken captive by him at his will. The devil says, all right, we'll give him a little lead, and then mm, jerk that chain. You can have that chain cut by Jesus Christ. Amen. You might be in here and you're struggling with something. You can get that thing right. Why don't you just do it? I'm going to tell you, I'm not just preaching this so that you have a better life. The Lord needs us to be the witness we need to be. We need The only way we're going to do that is to do right. And we can. And the devil's got some people convinced, well, I can. Well, did you forget he's a liar? Amen. So, altar's open. What page? 482. Thank you for a good week, but it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Amen. Lord might be back tonight. Would you go up or down? Are you looking forward to the judgment seat of Christ, or are you terrified? Amen. It's going to be serious.